Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Javi Lucius on the podcast. He's the fucking cream of the crop. <laughs> We're gonna the too much cream better. of the crop. Dude, so I was talking to Javi just now about, um, it's, it was his first clinical day today. Nice how that go. Good, bro. Went really good. I got um, five cases. It was a cysto day, so it was all pretty much transurethral uh, cases where they basically put in a cystoscope do their whatever procedures they got to do and they're pretty fast cases so like two hours each pretty much so if i can knock them out man i had five cases intubated four out of five and and ran pretty much ran the cases so it was it was good so what does a failed intubation look like what is it what is that is when you say you got four out of five does that mean you missed one yeah i missed one so nothing i don't necessarily missed but in putting the blade in and trying to, to look for the vocal cords and trying to find them um, you just either, number one, you can't see them. Number two, you actually attempt to intubate and you miss. Like, because obviously you have two holes that you can get, the esophagus or the vocal cords, in the trachea. Um, pass it through the, vo- the vocal cords, obviously you're in the trachea, you're intubated. Put in the esophagus, obviously you're not intubated, so you miss. I just kind of say four out of five and I missed one because I looked and I, I tried to get a view and I couldn't get a view. So instead of going in blind and trying to and goose the tube, uh, fuck, tube the goose, as they say, mm-hmm. um, and put in the esophagus, I was like, you know what, I can't see shit. And so they, they stepped in and, and, and took over. Damn. Did you feel like a bitch when they did that? No, nah, man. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, better, it's better to be like, listen, man, I don't fucking see shit than to fucking goose the tube and be like, uh, I fucking saw it, but I just completely missed, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so goosing the tube is like putting it in the esophagus or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Goosing, tubing the goose is putting it in the esophagus. Tubing the goose. Tubing the goose. In case anyone's Hashtag. wondering out there, if you ever hear Hashtag. an anesthesiologist or anybody come by and they say, "I just fucking tubed the shit out of that goose," that's what they're talking about. <laughs> Jam that shit right in the esophagus. For you guys that don't know what an innovation is, because I got a lot of uh, people asking me, you know, non medical folks asking me like bro you guys are hilarious i just wish sometimes i knew what you guys were talking about <laughs> so, <laughs> so for you guys don't know innovation is when uh you know we have a critical patient that can't breathe and we put them basically under put them to sleep right and then uh, we put a tube down their throat and it's a manual breathing process and yeah. uh, that's what innovation is innovation Intubation today, motherfucker. Let's do a quick intro. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Broadness Podcast. Your host here, Scotty P, in the building with Jesus Sosa, your bro medic, the bro medic extraordinaire. And today, a special guest on the podcast that we have already been chatting with is Javi Lucius, student (laughs) nurse anesthetist. Can you hear the noise? Registered nurse anesthetist. Get it right, Scotty P. Student registered nurse anesthetist. Anesthetist. No, anesthetist. Anesthetist. There you go. And we're going to be talking about his experience as a student anesthetist. A student anesthetist. What's up, guys? What's up, my brother? Let me fucking talk, Jesus. Let me say something, Jesus. Jesus. You guys invited me for a reason. Let me talk, man. <laughs> sure. So what's up, guys? How you doing? Good, dude. Good. I just want to take a second out of the podcast <laughs> to mention our sponsor for the day, Dr. Squatch Soaps. Dr. Squatch Soaps. Smell like a man. Clean like a man is what you're supposed to say, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now you can sanitize your hands like a man. <laughs> like a man. So we, um, I heard from the grapevine that um, Javi actually, every time he scrubs in for a surgical case, he uses Dr. Squatch soaps exclusively. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and his hands and his elbows smell like fucking minty, fresh fucking basil every time. They do. And all the chicks in the room are like, damn, who scrubbed in with that sexy ass soap? <laughs> um, let's not say that because if I do, then my girlfriend Camila will kick my ass. <laughs> She's the only one that gets to smell my hands and smell his sexy fucking Dr. Squatchy hands. Exactly. Enjoy this uh, yummy goodness. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Nothing much, man. Nice to have you, bro. Yeah, man. man. It's been been way too long. It has, dude. It's good to catch up with you, though. I'm I'm happy you came on the podcast. 
So the Broners podcast, they fucking give anybody a podcast nowadays, don't they? Yeah, dude, pretty much. <laughs> you just got to fucking put that shit on iTunes and then people start listening, bro. Yeah, I see I that. I don't know first... why. We, we basically just talk shit for an hour. <laughs> I see people that. are just like, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to that I mean, when I go for a run. Oh, man, so Jesus, tell me, bro. To how, how's everything, man? How have you been? Oh, wait. Well, first of all, I'm interviewing you, bro. <laughs> Get it right. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This is not how it works. Yeah, so right. how's it been, you know, uh, being a student? It's 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 a rude awakening, man. It really is, but it's it's been going good. I can't complain at all. Not paying, not earning a paycheck is uh, definitely weird. I haven't had a, I haven't not had a job since I was fourteen, so it's uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah. Well, you have a job now. It it's just now? it's just a job of a of a student, you know. Yeah, I mean, full time job. Yeah, pretty much. It's just not paycheck. I see my uh, yeah. bank account draining down every week, other than uh, instead of bringing it up, so. Other than that, man, it's it's good. I can't complain. Sweet. Did you have to save a lot before you went to school? Yeah, definitely. Or, yeah. How much would yeah. you say you had to save before you like felt comfortable starting the program? So, I mean, I didn't want to graduate with student loans. And I pretty much knew that I wanted to do this right out the gate. And I knew that I couldn't ha- work for two and a half. At the time, it was a master's program when I was looking into it. So I knew it was at least two and a half years of not working. On top of paying whatever the school was worth. At the time, it was like 55K. Now it's around 90, 80 to 90K. Um, and I don't, I don't want to graduate with student loans. So I pretty much saved up everything. To put a number on it, I'd say it'd be maybe anywhere from like 140 to 150 to be able to pay off everything, no student loans, and to get me through the two and a half, three years without working. Well, goddamn, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money. It's a lot of money and a lot of sacrifice, but... To be able to, yeah. to say that I graduated without a student loan is definitely worth the sacrifice. That's insane. You're going to graduate CRNA school without going into debt? Never going into debt. That's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So yeah. we yeah. we do have um, – so this is like one of our more popular topics, like the whole CRNA thing. So yeah. I have a bunch of questions that I receive from people online, mm-hmm. uh, mostly via Instagram. Um, and so we're just going to be like covering a, a lot of those topics today. Cause I feel like this could be a really informative fucking public service announcement. Let's do it. If we let it. <laughs> so so how a- long did it, uh, take you to, um, research to go into school? Like how long have you been working before you were, uh, going to school? Gotcha. So pretty much, so pretty much like I knew that I wanted to do CRNA while I was in medic school. So I actually was, went to EMT school, became a paramedic, One wanted to do the firefighter thing. And then um, I kind of wanted to do firefighter and nursing as like a side gig. So nursing was actually never on the forefront of my mind. But um, I kind of found out about CRNA while I was in paramedic school. And so once I found out about that, I kind of left behind firefighting. And instead of doing mm-hmm. firefighting, focused more on like the healthcare side of it. And so finished out my paramedics, got into nursing school, started working in the ER as a, as a tech, as a medic in the ER, and basically made my way, built my way up, finished nursing school, worked in the ER for about a year, went to the ICU for two years, and then went back to the ER for about another two years, pretty much before I started. What was that like jumping from ER to ICU? It's, it's a definite culture shock. ER, like, I mean, you guys know, man, ER is, is fun. It's, it's a different animal. Like you're all in mm-hmm. the same shit together. So it's, it, it's a, it's a crazy controlled chaos. And like everybody, you pretty much gotta have a fucked up personality to be, to be working in the ER and to love working <laughs> in the ER. And, yeah, you're telling us. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so to take that and, and take that personality and take that environment that you're used to, and going to the ICU is like a definite culture shock. It's like a fucking brand new book on nursing, dude. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Basically, you have to deal with a lot of like, see you next Tuesday nurses in the ICU, yeah. right? That's what you were saying? You, that was word yeah, for word a quote from your mouth, right? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also switched. Um, as mm. you guys know, I, I went from ER to ICU back to ER as well. The same. And um, yeah, man, I mean, there's some there's some personalities up there. A hundred percent. And like, you know, a lot it. of Karen's. Yeah, exactly. Nurse Karen. Karen's a hundred percent. Dude, we should put a hat, make a new hashtag, hashtag nurse Karen. Whenever you see like a nurse doing like some cunty shit, yeah. just be like hashtag nurse Karen. 
What was her last bowel movement? Bitch, I don't fucking know. What's her skin look like? Oh, I'm sorry, Karen. I mean, I mean, uh, what was your name again? (laughs) You put in your note, get report given to ICU nurse Karen. (laughs) She's like, my name is Lucy. (laughs) But yeah, man, that culture shock is, is real. And it's not even just a culture shock. It's dealing with patients on a whole different level. ER, you're used to getting them sick as shit, stabilizing, get the fuck out, whether it's discharging, admitting, sending them up to ICU. You're never dealing with them for that long a period of time. So you're really not building a relationship. So it's very easy to kind of get calloused and kind of not, let me not say not care, but... Not give a shit? Basically. You still give a shit, but not to the extent that you would if you were with them days at a time, out, 12 hours straight. Yeah. Like yeah, you, you see them for like a month straight, dude. Sometimes, like maybe even exactly more than that. You exactly, know? you don't you don't have that time to build that relationship, and so it's, I guess it's a lot in that aspect. It's easier to work in the ER because of all the shit that we do deal with. Yeah, that you don't build that relationship, so it doesn't hit you as hard if somebody passes away or if somebody happens yeah. to to come in really sick because you really don't have that connection. A family and, too, like I feel like you build a stronger bond with the family. You know, yeah, hundred percent. I still have. I still have people on uh, that that uh, actually for a couple podcasts ago, um, a family member from a patient that I took care of that was in a really bad trauma. She hit me up and she was just like, "Hey, you know, I saw you online and I just wanted to reach out and just let you know, you know, what a difference you made." And I was just like, "Holy shit, dude!" Like, yeah, man. Like, and that's that's honestly that's one of that was one of my favorite things about the ICU was mm-hmm. the fact that you kind of can build that relationship and you can. You, you actually feel like you're making a difference. In the ER, you don't really feel like you're making that much of a difference because you don't see them get better. Right, In the right. ICU, you do. Yeah. yeah. And so that that kind of – it also helps when families bring you, like, cookies and shit. Yeah, dude. The treats you. are so much better up there, dude. <laughs> they tell you, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Like, that, I that, know. That, that feels good. It feels good. Dude, at, at uh, the hospital I worked in the ICU at, you know, we can't say names, but, yeah. like, they had a Starbucks in the, um, in the atrium downstairs. Uh-huh. And uh, – Dude, the family members would always bring us fucking Starbucks coffee. And they'd be like, what do you want? And they like wouldn't take no for an answer, you know? You're like, yeah. no, 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 it's fine. They're like, no, no, tell me. I know you drink coffee. And then like, <laughs> dude, I just – I just that was the biggest shock because like people are generally pissed the fuck off in the emergency room. 100%. And people are nice in the fucking ICU for some reason. I feel like yeah. they just have like a grip on what's going on. They're, there's not so many unknowns, you know, so they kind of have their right. bearings about them. Right, for sure. Know? And like you definitely, you definitely notice that. Like that's that was one of the first things I noticed about being in the ICU because working at the hospital that we worked at and the ER that we worked at, you don't get that appreciation. It's very rare to get that appreciation, so you get burnt out easily. Yeah, not yeah, same yeah, thousand so, percent. You work your ass off, and nobody fucking gives a shit about it, dude. Exactly, and so that's that was kind of the one thing that I, from ICU that I, that I liked, but I missed the craziness. I missed that craziness of the ER of not knowing shit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love the fact that I was able to learn as much as I did going to the ICU because you really do learn a lot. Yeah, for sure. In the ER, basically, when after a code, that's like the worst part is actually having the family come in. And then uh, that's when it gets really emotional. And that's the part I hate the most. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. So you kind of just could walk away and like not deal with it. But I could imagine in ICU, man, like you were there with that patient the whole time, you know, so mm-hmm. it must be hard. Yeah, yeah it is. And it sucks because you got to be strong for the family. Like you can't show that emotion and, and cry yeah. with them because you got to be strong. You got to be that person <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that they can turn to and lean on, you know, that's, and that's not easy. That's Dude, not it was easy. so awkward. It was so awkward. Like being, just being like raised up as a nurse in the emergency room and then like being switching, transitioning to the ER. Like the, the weirdest thing for me was like, I would watch these ICU nurses give like hugs to patients <laughs> and family members and shit. Yeah. And then I was just like, ew, dude, I don't hug. Like, like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. But then, like, those situations just presented themselves so many times because you have grieving family members and you have, like, people going through really tough shit. It's just kind of like you have that, like, human co- connection with them and you kind of want to. I remember, like, my first time I, like, reached out and I was like, it was so, like, robotic and odd and fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> And then I was just like, you know, it kind of got better after that. But like, <laughs> the fuck? What are you doing? It's it's like imagine Scott, robotic, robotic hug. Seriously, yeah, like, dude, it's like, like arms extended, 90 degree angle, engage, <laughs> embrace, hold, hold, not too long, let go. And then it's like, but yeah, man, like I was saying, like for, as far as for me, like the, the seeing the family is always the hardest thing. Cause like for me personally, like I'm religious, so. I always see the patient as being in like a better place. Like they're not in this shithole world anymore. 
yeah. in a better place. So the families are now the ones that are in pain. They're the ones that are feeling it. So those, yeah. those are the ones that I feel, feel the worst for. I feel the same thing in a weird way. I'm not a super duper religious person. You know, I have my beliefs and everything, but yeah. I feel the same way. Like when you see someone die in the ICU, it's like, I don't really feel bad for the patient, you know, because they're so fucked up when they were there. Yeah. It has to be a relief. You know what I mean? And then you notice the shift of like the attention goes to the grieving family members and you're just like, mm -hmm. damn, you, that's fucking, you know, now, now it's like they're the patient, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, uh, so do you, all right. So this is a question that I got, uh, yeah. from somebody that do you have to do you, in your opinion, do you think that you have to be in the ICU in order to get into CRNA school or can, have you heard of nurses just going straight from ER to that? to CRNA school? So all of it is dependent on the ER that you work in. So if you're working in an ER that is a high acuity ER, that you're holding ICU patients, you're managing these drips, you're managing these vents, that would be a different story. I'd be like, you know what, you got you got a leg up. You're dealing with central lines, you're, you're, you're looking at atrial, at CVPs and A lines and all that stuff. If you're doing that, I don't really necessarily think you need the ICU. But again, it all depends. It's just, and the same thing goes for ICU. If you're working in an ICU where it's a rinky-dink ICU where you're pretty much your ICU patients are would be step-down patients in other hospitals, mm -hmm. then I'd say you know what your ICU experience doesn't mean shit. So it all it all kind of depends on where you're at. I know people who have obviously it's depending on the program. Some programs accept ER. Some programs say no, you got to get your ICU minimum of a year. Some even a minimum of two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I know of one specifically down here in South Florida that you need to have a minimum of two years. Um, and one of them, it actually takes ER experience. I got a buddy of mine that I worked with at one of uh, my hospitals that he got accepted into this university with just ER experience. I think he had maybe four or five years of ER experience in a high acuity ER and he was able to get in. So it all depends on, on number one, you as a person and number two, the actual experience that you're coming from, whether it's ER or ICU. So basically they just want to know that you can manage critical patients. Exactly. And and that's, if, if you honestly look at it as a CRNA, that's what you're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. You're basically bringing people the closest they are to dying without killing them or right. finding a way to not kill them because that's really what we're doing. So you're paralyzing the fuck out of them and then Pretty sedating much, them yeah. and then fucking jamming a tube down their throat. Exactly. And then hmm. you got to be able to, no, number one, everything that can go wrong, everything that if it does go wrong, how to fix it. If the surgeon fucks up, guess what? The surgeon's not saving that patient. You are. So it's, it's, it's a lot you, of dude. shit that you got to know. Exactly. It's a lot of shit you got to know. It's on your nuts, bro. Basically, it's on your nuts and it's on your license because at the end of the day, yeah, you got an attending that's, that's over you. But if you're in a place like not Florida or in a rural area of Florida where you definitely you kind of have that authority – the, all that shit's on you. You got you carry all that liability, so you really got to be comfortable with with managing these patients. It's a lot of fucking pressure, dude. It really is. I could totally do it. Well. <laughs> the drug. That's the thing. Like that. I'll experiment like on Jesus right now, dude. <laughs> there you go. Sure. Jesus, would that's you like, let me intubate you? Don't lie, dude. Don't lie. Um. Fuck no. That's <laughs> like one of my worst fears. I heard, I one felt I felt a ever. yes coming on. Dude, my girlfriend won't even let me intubate her. She says, no, you're never going to fucking intubate I was that me. close to say yes. Uh, I was right there. I should have sold it better. How bad could it be, dude? You sleep the whole time. You don't feel anything. All right. What, what kind of drugs am I getting first? Dude, probably exactly. like fucking some good propofol, dude. Probably some good neuromuscular <laughs> blockers. Isn't what do you that think? What Michael Jackson got? Propofol? Pro yeah, food. Michael Jackson got propofol. But don't fucking put that shit out there because people are going to freak the fuck out about propofol. <laughs> Propofol fine. Michael Jackson was on like a thousand fucking different really? drugs. Dude, he you can a, give propofol to non-intubated patients. Exactly. You got, what was it? He had a fucking cardiologist who wasn't even like looking at him as he was giving him propofol. Like, you know, I know. You got a person who's fucking looking at you 24-7 the entire time you're there. The fucking set so, of balls on that guy to fucking administering <laughs> propofol to this fucking dude. I mean, dude. And not even paying him. walks away. Him. I've heard he's that like, man, he's, fine. he's probably fine. Yeah, exactly. Like that's That's insane. So, no, propofol is very safe. It's okay just for anybody who's freaking the fuck out about it. It's okay. It's the <laughs> fucking me. milky life, dude. It's the milky goodness. It's the, uh, what's it called? The milk of amnesia? The mm -hmm. best fucking thing ever? 
the fucking thrashing around when you're intubated and I'm your ICU nurse and you're fucking freaking out. You know what? <laughs> you're getting that milk of amnesia, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> what do you say in, uh, in Game of Thrones? The milk of the titty or some shit? The milk of the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus heard milk of the titty. I always hear that. That's <laughs> all like, I hear. Anytime someone says milk of anything, I just uh, superimpose the word titty over top of it in my brain subconsciously. Yeah, exactly. It just happens that way. <laughs> oh, man. So you're saying that it's possible for ER, but just fucking don't do it because it's super rare and like you're just probably going to just waste your time and money. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time and money. Obviously, man, everybody's different. If you have the drive to fucking learn shit on the fly that you probably should have come in already knowing, then you're going to be fine. What about like, isn't it like, isn't the whole thing just getting the interview, like the interview? Yeah, 100%. Like if they see that you didn't do ICU and all that bullshit, then are they even going to like fucking... You see, now that's, now that's where you got to do your research. You got to know what programs take your experience and which ones don't. Ah, I see. A lot of them will specifically say ICU only or you need to have ICU experience. I don't know how they word it if, you, if it's okay having ER, but for the most part, they're going to tell you minimum of a year of critical care or minimum a year of ICU experience. They'll usually say ICU because critical care can technically be ER depending on how you look at it. Right. And which ER, obviously. But most of them, probably about 90% of them want need you to have ICU experience. I mean, it makes sense. It does. And I mean, honestly, coming from both ER and ICU, I can definitely see why it does and why you want to. Because that's all you fucking do in the ICU is manage vents and do drips and have them on fucking CVVHD, ECMO, all this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, especially if you're working night shift, you're either dealing with a resident or you're dealing with a doctor that's at home or an intensivist who's in another part of the hospital. So you got to be the one that's managing all this shit. Or like my last hospital and you fucking don't even have an intensivist program. Exactly. Pulmonologists so and fucking trauma docs managing, <laughs> arguing over who the fuck wants to change the vent settings. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty much, you're the one that's, that's making suggestions and looking at things and having that ICU really, really gives you that, that, that foundation to, to be a good CRNA. And I actually, if you come with both ER and ICU, they say, and I actually had a professor who's been fucking teaching for 20 years, tell me that the CRNAs that he's seen and that he's seen graduate and put through school, the ones that come with both ER and ICU experience are some of the best CRNAs that he's that he's basically seen and that he's put through school. I like that guy. Whoever he is, I like him. <laughs> yeah, it makes man. sense. Everything he says, I agree with. <laughs> no, but it makes sense. I mean, because you can like deal with high stress situations in an uncontrolled environment like the ER and be able to manage and stabilize. But then, you know, in the controlled, you know, setting of the ICU, understanding the physiology and the anatomy and and the pharmacokinetics of the drugs. You know, having that extensive knowledge could really fucking be a benefit as well. So I, I, I see, I see that, I see that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and that's the thing. Like, you gotta, you gotta realize the OR. Yeah, it's, it's, is it controlled? Fuck yeah, the OR is very controlled. Can we just take but, a second um, and um, recognize that I just used the fucking badass word pharmacokinetics. That's nice. That's a big, that's a big Thanks. word, Scott. I'm, Thanks, I'm guys. proud of you. I'm proud of you. Bro. Anytime I use a word that has more than four syllables, I would like a little bit of appreciation. I got you, man. I'll make sure to listen out for it next time. Thanks, guys. So you don't even have to mention it. You, I'll, I'll be the one to mention it like, for you. Damn, dude. That was a good-ass word, Scott. <laughs> I got you, man. Jesus is over there I'm Googling questions to ask him. <laughs> like Googling. <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, like, Every like time I you say it, like a crazy word, is like a... What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just, like I was saying, um, the OR is a very, very controlled environment. And that's obviously it, it plays into the ICU nurse's hands, but you have to realize that the OR and the blink of an eye can go from very controlled to very fucking chaotic and nuts. And you got to be able to, to withstand that pressure and be able to get shit done. They keep because your cool, again, calm, collective. Exactly. Keep your yeah. cool because at the end of the day, you are the one that is saving that patient's life. And it's and, worse because in the ER, usually you're surrounded by people that are used to the fucking chaos and they, they kind of thrive in and as like a second nature. Whereas in the OR, they fucking like everything perfect. And those motherfuckers aren't going to know what the fuck's going on if shit goes sideways, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the thing with that is luckily for the most part, if, if the shit does hit the fan and you are in a, in a 
nice hospital that's not in the rural area, you have help. You have other CRNAs. You have attendings there who can come and, and help and bail you out and shit. But if you are in one of these places in rural areas or somewhere where you're the only one, like let's say even down here in South Florida, surgery centers, mm-hmm. there's no attending. There's no anesthesiologist. You are it. So you got to you gotta be comfortable with that. You got to know the shit hits the fan. This is what I got to do. That's so, dope though, dude. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and that's and that's why honestly we get paid the way that we do. Look at me saying we as if I'm a fucking CRNA already. But how much money you make? How much money you making these days? How- <laughs> <laughs> that's why I get paid so much to pay the school to fucking make me go to school. Yeah, for real, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, but dude, that shit's coming, coming, bro, and it's gonna yeah. be a glorious day, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. Better invite me to the graduation party, dude. That's all come I on, say. man. Come on, man. As long as you're in town, bro. Even oh, then, you book a flight. Javi, how much uh, longer do you have? I got. How much longer do you have? So I just got into my fifth semester out of nine, so I got about a little under a year right. and a half left. Damn. Oh my god, dude, that's badass. Crazy, right? Shift, fucking, fucking time flies. <laughs> yeah, a year's gonna go by fast. I know, oh, for dude. sure. Twenty uh, December twenty twenty one. Counting down the days, man. How long did you have to wait before they let you in uh, intubate somebody? Um, first week. The first week, they're like, "Hey, here you go." First week of clinicals, man. You tell them, hey, man, I've never yeah. intubated. And depending on the hospital you're at, like usually, like especially the one that I'm at, like they're super cool. They're very good about teaching you and they're very patient. I was like, listen, I haven't intubated before. I've maybe practiced on a dummy once. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, come here. Let me show you how it's done. And Hands on. And hands on. Exactly. That's how you fucking learn, man. It's You will learn very quickly a dummy and a sim lab is very different from actual practice and anything. Right. Especially with, with this. So you get in there and you do it, man. I've dropped That's A-lines. Wild, I've I've done some cool shit already, man. I feel like an A-line is something I could do. It's, it's not. It's somebody, hard, probably not so much. But it's <laughs> like a fucking IV in an artery, bro. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. That's pretty you much know? what it is. Just fucking yeah. poke that bitch around until you get it. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at <laughs> but the thing You is, use an no ultrasound machine, right? No, you don't have to. No? You feel okay. You just like no, no, feel, you feel, feel a part yeah, yeah. Bitch up. dude i art, I, I off the record art stick people for blood all the time oh 100 yeah, veins and i just need fucking blood <laughs> some labs yeah oh my god i art can't get this vein i'm like i got you bro in dc <laughs> in dc we do our own abgs nurses in the er in washington dc we do our own abgs that's pretty simple make, sure yeah. make sure you put that on your uh resume resume <laughs> i will this is the first hospital i've ever worked at that the er nurses were required to do abgs Really? Yep. No shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been art sticking people since the ICU because, like, you know, yeah. if their Dude, fucking pick line doesn't draw back, you know, I'm not gonna fucking look for their edematous ass veins. You know what I mean? Exactly. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. I mean, that's off the record, also. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Nobody. That's allegedly. I allegedly did that in case anybody <laughs> is listening to this. Yeah. So I'm not cutting that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> so much um, shit yesterday, bro. What exactly does a CRNA do? Jesus is like, this is my first time ever hearing this. I know. Yeah, this is. I don't even work at the hospital. I'll give you the spiel. So, for anybody who doesn't know what a CRNA is or what a CRNA does, number one, they do not just fucking watch you in the OR and play video games or play crossword puzzles all the time. It's it's actually a really um, satisfying and a very difficult, challenging job. That's very rewarding, very satisfying as well. It's a very serious uh, profession. It's a very serious profession. You can't fuck around like you did in the ER. You can a little bit, but not. <laughs> a you gotta find fucker. the right time. A little fuck. You gotta find. You gotta find the right time. You can't just fuck around like we always did back in uh, back in our old days. The good old days, man. I fuck around all the time. Like, all the time. <laughs> like 90% of my job is just fucking bay. around. You think, you think I forgot about Sugar it's, Bay? It's, Come on, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Sugar Bay. <laughs> so in case anyone's wondering, uh, Jesus used to be responsible for making the cafecito. If you're not from South yes, Florida, cafecito is a strong-ass motherfucking Cuban coffee with like two pounds of sugar in it. And <laughs> True. You, he would fucking make the, the cup. With all the coffee in it, and then he would just sprinkle that shit on like Salt Bay with his elbow up. It's and all in the wrist. And shit. Yeah, yeah, it's all in the wrist. You gotta like shake it, shake it, shake it. Mm-hmm. Stir that bitch up until you make like a nice foamy, uh, you know, base. Espumita. It's called. Pour that coffee in there. We can talk about this shit all day. 
I have oh, no idea sure. what RNA, RCNC or RNA is, but <laughs> like, I'm talking about RNA is, but I can make a fucking mean ass cafecito. <laughs> so back to CRNA, guys. Back to the having. What's it stand for again? What's it stand for? I don't think we got that. The CRNA. So CRNA stands for Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. And and then and then and then no Certified Registered Nurse Anemone. Anemone. It's that little thing that the clownfish fucking swims around in. Yeah, pretty much. Like we fucking zap you with that. We, we pull it out. We bring it out of the, the fish tank. Zap you in the head. You fucking knock out, and there you have your surgery. Yeah. There you mm. go. Done. All right. So, um, what made you want to be an anesthetitis? So, what made me want to be an anesthetitis? The money, <laughs> duh. <laughs> money, duh. <laughs> but honestly, man, like, yeah, money, money was a factor, but it wasn't. It wasn't everything. Like, you don't do anything because of the fucking money. You do it because. That's it's fucking cool. Like it's awesome. You're gonna love it. Yeah. Like there was actually there was actually um so pretty much CRNA certified registered nurse anesthetist. What we do, what they do, because I'm not officially one yet. What CRNAs do is you basically provide anesthesia for anybody who's having any kind of surgical procedure, whether it be an open heart surgery, they could have a knee replacement, they could have even something as I guess minor, not necessarily minor, but you can run a pain management clinic. You can do a ketamine clinic. Basically, you're the person in the OR that is managing the patient, that is taking care of the patient, making sure the patient gets through the surgery. So you are in charge of everything that is going to keep that patient alive. The doctor, the surgeon is performing their surgery. They're focused on this little thing, which is their opening, where they're actually working. They're not thinking about what their blood pressure is, whether they're breathing, whether they're intubated, they don't give a shit about any of that because all they care about is that little part that they're working on. The person who is in charge of the person from head to toe, everything inside and out, is the anesthesia provider. The anesthesia provider can be anybody from the anesthesiologist, which is the uh, physician, the CRNA, which is a certified registered nurse anesthetist, or there's actually an anesthesiology assistant which is kind of like a PA, a physician assistant, but specific to specifically um, anesthesia related. Do you guys hate so, them? I mean, I haven't had too much encounters with them. We don't really hate them because whatever, don't man. Lie, we want. Don't lie, dude. No, at the end of the day, man, we're all fucking. To be honest, honest, this is a safe space. This is a safe honestly, space. Man, we, we make more money anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, honestly, like going back to it and like. And you guys you, are cooler. Way yeah, pretty cooler. Pretty much. Um, no, but honestly, man, like we're the ones that are, that are in charge of everything, like, um, keeping that patient safe. We're doing all the necessary things to get them through the surgery. Um, we're the ones that are bringing them down, intubating them, making sure they're not having any pain before, during, sometimes even afterwards. We're the ones, we're the, we're the, we're the bartenders, man. We're the ones that got all the good drugs, make you feel happy and nice. See, I knew uh, that there was a reason I was attracted to this profession, dude. <laughs> bartenders. I bartended for so long. Bartenders. There you go, man. Yeah, I mean, the like it's a lot of people don't know exactly everything that goes into being a CRNA. Like, you fucking intubate, you do central lines, you do A lines, you do fucking pulmonary. You guys do, uh, you guys do those uh, fucking. I remember the CRNA students would always come in and do like the. Uh, I forget what they call them, but it's like where you fucking put the. Um, it's kind of like a. It's like a when people have like rib fractures, like in trauma. It's like a fucking little tube that you put like kind of underneath the skin in between the skin and the muscle and it kind of releases like pain medicine into their Yeah, yeah. It's uh you got epidural. epidural. So I you have epidural. epidural. Yeah. It's but it's, it's not in the epidural. it's not in the spine. It's, uh, it's like in the fucking No, yeah, it's it's a regional it's basically regional anesthesia. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And they would do that shit all the time and I'd be like, What the fuck is that? And then I remember one of them was like really cool and he was like, dude, let me show you how this works. Yeah. That's when I that's when I knew I was like, dude, the fact that this guy was like so excited and he was like ready to teach me and he's like dude come over here check this shit out i was like dude, dude i gotta we do some, go to crna school dude like some cool shit man like you just do like a bunch of bros dude that like everybody's just like excited to learn about this shit and they're just like excited yeah. to teach about it like because there's so much that goes into it man like there's no day is ever the same that's yeah. it, again it's kind of like the er man no day is ever the same you have yeah. Like you can be in a different area of the hospital doing different things every single day. You can be in OB doing epidurals and spinals all day. You can be in a fucking surgery center doing blocks and 
like easy cases if you fucking wanted to. You can be in trauma. You can be in doing hearts, doing neuro cases. Like there's all different avenues that you can do just by being a CRNA. And guess what? You're fucking paid a shit ton of money to do it. Fuck yeah. Anytime dude. you get a somebody in the hospital setting to tell you, hey, come over here and check this shit out, you know it's going to be fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Hell like, yeah. Come here. Check this shit out. Like, dude, come fucking look at this shit. Come look what I'm about to do to this motherfucker. I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, like, dude. I'm going to stop everything, dude. Like, the one thing, honestly, I remember one time, I think it was my brother who actually told me. My brother's a CRNA, too. He, kinda, he's, he was also kind of one who I heard it from him. Not because he was a CRNA at the time, but because he heard about it from an anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of heard it from my brother, and that kind of just trickled down to me, and that's how I got into it. But anyways, Lucky. my brother, <laughs> brother kind of told me this way. He was like, because there was, there was a point where I was like, fuck, man, do I really want to not work for three years? And do I really want to be a CRNA? Like, do I really want to do that? And so I always like, I really loved it, and I really liked everything that went into it. But that three years without working was really like, fuck, man. And I heard all these horror stories about CRNA school, how hard it was. By the way, those horror stories are bullshit. It's not hard. It's just time-consuming. And I love that. I love that. I love when people is, say that. It is very time-consuming. But again, it's fucking time management. Yeah. Study your shit. Get your things done. And you're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. Everybody Dude, I love that because people said the same shit about nursing school, bro. Exactly, man. And then like, I got in there. I'm like, this shit is not fucking that hard, dude. Like, exactly, exactly. It's not the end of the world. Like, I mean, I understand like people struggle with it and stuff, and I fucking, I totally empathize with people that struggle with it. But it just wasn't like breaking my back. I was able to work a full time job. You know, you were too. You know, so it's like, of course, man. Like I did full time night shift working as a tech in the ER. Yeah, and dude. I still fucking made it through through uh, through nursing school. And so it's like. Everybody, everybody likes to get scared away, and I almost did too for for like half a second. My brother sat me down. I was like, "Listen," because I was kind of between nurse practitioner and that, and I was like, "You know what? I love ER. Uh, maybe I'll be a nurse practitioner in the ER instead of doing CRNA." Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and he goes, "Listen, let me tell you one thing. How many nurse practitioners do you talk to that love their job? How many nurse practitioners do you talk to that are fucking looking for a job? That they're the market's so saturated and they can't find a fucking job. And if they get a job, they're making." Less money than they were as a bedside nurse, or they're fucking working shitty hours, working a shitty job that they don't even care about. Working at fucking CVS or some shit, giving people flu shots. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, how many CRNAs do you talk to? They fucking love their job. Yeah. And it's like, every single CRNA that I've talked to, every CRNA that I've interacted with, they fucking love their job. It's the truth, and man. What? And guess what? You're being offered jobs before you even graduate. Yeah. So... You don't you don't have that same feeling. Like my girlfriend now is in nurse practitioner school, and she tells me that all the time. But it's it's like it sucks because she when she graduates, it's probably gonna she's probably gonna have a hard time finding a job, and I'm already gonna have a job before I even graduate. Yeah. What I would say is don't let that all the horror stories or people telling you it's the hardest thing they've ever done or not working for three years like. You fucking figure it out. Everybody else who did it before you has figured it out. You're going to figure it out too. You just fucking manage that shit, dude. Exactly. I dig that, bro. Yeah, I dig man. that. Because, uh, I mean, as you know, like I'm looking to apply as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, that's definitely a daunting idea. Like, and, and I've also been tempted by the whole nurse practitioner bullshit as well. You know, like that that has that idea has like come in and out of my mind probably a thousand times like, I'm I'm constantly going back and forth with that. But uh hearing you say that is just kind of like, yeah, man, like that's totally reinforcing cuz it's the truth, man. I mean, like at the end of the day you want to be happy, you spend the time, fucking do the work, and then you get the reward, you know? What are your thoughts on like DMP versus um like master's level programs for CRNAs? And also, what was your GPA like and did that affect your ability to get an interview, to get admitted? So, all right. So as far as the DNP versus the masters, at the end of the day, both of them mean the same shit. You're going to be a CRNA practicing regardless of whether you have your masters or your doctorate. It's mostly if you want to go back and teach that I would recommend getting the doctorate. So is it kind of like the ASN to BSN type of bullshit? Yeah, exactly. Like for me, I'm minimalist, man. Give me whatever I need to get out there and start Mm -hmm. working. So that's why I went and got my associates and then went back and got my bachelor's. Right. Um, unfortunately, down here, there aren't any more programs that offer just the master's. 
So I kind of had to bite the bullet and get the TNP, which, I mean, it's kind of, it's okay. I'm not, like, pissed off about it or upset about it. Like, I wouldn't leave the state because of it because at the end of the day, I'm never going to have to go back to school. I'm never going to have to do anything like that. Granted, most of the people get grandfathered in if they do, when they do end up making it a DNP mandatory. But I would say that if you had the choice, unless you want to teach, just go for the master's. Take the extra eight months to work as opposed to being in school. And um, don't, it's not worth it, honestly. Everybody, you get paid the same, you get the same jobs, nobody's going to look at, if you have two candidates, one's a DNP, one's a master's, nope, nobody gives a shit. Like, they don't, they don't care. Because they know that the DNP is pretty much a bunch of bullshit courses. So, yeah, true that, dude. So it's it's like a bachelor's times 20. Pretty but much. then you're, but then you're, don't they have to call you Dr. Lucius? They do have to call me Dr. Lucius, but not in the hospital, man, because... That's the thing. They don't want they don't want doctor to be confused with physician, because at the end of the day, we're not physicians. We're not attendings. So in the but, hospital, they can't call you doctor. No, in the hospital, they don't call you doctor. I'll tell them to suck my dick. Doctor. I'd show them my degree and be like, "Bitch, look at this shit. It's yeah. fucking doctor pits, bitch." <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be nice. Nah, but you can. Um, there's really no difference, man. To be honest, so if you if again. Everybody's different, but if it was up to me, I would I would have gone with the master's program. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably looking at the same shit. I heard uh, FGCU still has a master's program for anesthesia. The thing is, man, depending on when you get in, like I think everybody is is already transitioning towards that doctorate. Yeah. Because I'm not sure if it's after 2025, 2023. I'm not 100 percent sure, but they're all pretty much transitioning towards that that doctorate program because it's it's going to be mandatory sometime yeah. in the near future. True that. What was your GPA? What do you, what do you think that your GPA played a, a part into getting admitted, or do you think it's like kind of not that big of a deal? Like, I mean, it all it all kind of factors in because they, at least the school that I got into, they kind of factored in by points. Right. So I guess depending on what your GPA was, it gave you a certain number of points. Depending on what your GRE score was, which not every program requires you to have a GRE, but if it does, I'm assuming that that whatever grade it was or whatever score you get factors into how many points you get, the amount of years of experience, where you have your experience, like all that shit kind of plays a factor. And all that stuff like makes you look good on paper to get you the interview. But obviously what's what's going to hit that home run is, is you knocking it out of the park in the interview. And, and that's really what's going to solidify that spot. True that. What made you want to uh, apply as soon as you're like, all right, it's time to apply. I'm going to do this. Yeah. So, I mean... I was already four years in, I think. Yeah, because I already mm -hmm. had, I had my year of ER. I had two years of ICU, and then I had another, maybe about six months by the time when I applied in the ER. So I'd say about, mm -hmm. yeah, about four years of, of experience already. And I knew, all right, this is the time. Let's, let's, I'm ready to go. Like, I feel like I've gained enough experience. I know enough about where I'm at. I feel like I'm pretty expert level to advanced in what I'm doing to be able to be successful. And how long uh, did you wait for a uh, response? So pretty much how it worked, the timeline was, deadline for application was April 1st or May 1st, I can't remember. May 1st was the deadline for, uh, for application. Mm -hmm. I got an interview on May 11th or 15th. And I found out that I got accepted around June, maybe the first or second week in June. I know how to innovate, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's in the scope, dude. But but that's actually true, though. <laughs> that's actually it fucking true. It is. It's fucking yeah. true. It's funny because um, intubating, my, wasn't, my first time intubating wasn't actually in CRNA school. It was in paramedic yeah. school. In paramedic school, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah me so, too. Uh, it me happened too. actually a couple of times. <laughs> After I got a job as a paramedic at a, uh, you know, uh, ambulance company, and we had this huge dude that couldn't breathe, it was a BLS call, right? We get there and this guy is not fucking breathing, and we're like, "Yo, nobody fucking told us <laughs> this was." Everybody told us this was a super bit, uh, like super simple case. We went straight to the hospital. We didn't even wait for ACLS. I freaking intubated this guy. And I don't even know if I was in the stomach, in the in the lungs. I just saw a chest rise and fall, and I said, "Fuck it." I didn't also take nothing. I was so nervous. <laughs> and I was going to get there, Jackson. And uh, yeah, we saved this fucking guy's life, bro. It was fucking good cool. shit, man. That's, that's gangster, awesome. bro. Yeah, man. That is. That's pretty yeah. badass. Fuck yeah, man. But that was a yeah. short story. The short version of that story. 
So fucking <laughs> dude, man, I'm so happy for you, Javi, dude. I can't Thank wait you, to be where you're at right now, bro. Yeah, man. That's the thing, man. Everybody everybody has the opportunity, man. Just Dude, I remember when I was a student and you were fucking the one that got me the job at the first ER that I worked at. I remember. And I was saying the same thing back then, dude. I was like, I can't fucking wait to be where this guy's at right now, dude. <laughs> now look at hey, me. man. Now I look at you, bro. Still the same shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I remember that day like it was yesterday, man. We had that. You were walking the halls with that professor that we all loved. Yeah. And uh, and she was like, um, so I see you're in the ER. Are you in the ER still? And I remember Scott had messaged me or some shit like that. He was telling me how he was wanting to, he was doing his last semester and he wanted to do his precepting, not on the bullshit floor like everybody else, but in the ER. And I was like, fuck it, man. Let me know when you guys are there and I'll fucking tell her to put you in the ER with me. Yeah, sure did, dude. And she fucking did. Straight up. Nice. <laughs> she was like, honey, what? Are you still here? Oh my gosh, I didn't even know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, bring him with me. Let's go. You're like, I'll take them every day. Just I'll take them every day. Yep. Mind you, I was per diem and I worked there maybe what? <laughs> I think I had you month? like one time and then I had Eddie for the rest. <laughs> yep. Eddie's another nurse that worked in the ER that with us. Yeah. That was that was a good time, man. Yeah, dude. That was fucking badass. And then they offered me the job, dude. Yeah. And great. then uh everybody called you Chris Marco for the first month that you worked there. They sure did, dude. <laughs> So there's this other white guy that looks exactly like me. Well, people said he looked like me. I'm way more handsome than he is. But, like, we looked similar. And he started, like, a month before I did. So everybody fucking would get our names confused. We do that now still with, like, new people. <laughs> we do that with two fucking nurses that have been there almost a year. And we still fucking tell them, like, the wrong names. It's, and, and, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, guys too. it's like an endearment thing. It's, it's, it's out of love. It's like I'm exactly. gonna never get your name right out of love. Pretty when nice people love. call me Jose, that shit drives me nuts. Jose, <laughs> that's offensive, dude. That's racist. Oh man, that's racist. That's straight up. Everything racist. is racist now. Everything is yeah. racist, dude. And you also, we are not gonna have a police force in like uh, six months. That's that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> Gotta defund the police, man. That's it's coming. It's coming. Wild Wild West, go out and get your guns. I saw this funny meme on Instagram, and it was like, it was like. Uh, Someone called 911, like, help, someone's breaking into my house. They have guns. And uh, yeah, the 911 operator's like, well, um, okay, we are dispatching thoughts and prayers immediately. Vaya con Dios. Seriously. Do you phone the police? We have somebody go out there and tell them to stop uh, robbing you. Please, a mediator. Sir, please stop. <laughs> I'm here from social services. <laughs> what are they? They're talking about, like, adding, yeah. like, fucking, so, like, uh, int what, intensive social services people. <laughs> what? So like they don't want the cops responding to like psych calls and they don't want them respond like dealing with the homeless because like apparently that's like out of their scope and like that's what they've been getting all this additional funding for because they've been having to like go so far out of their scope. So now they're talking about like implementing intensive social services people and they like have to come and de-escalate and do all that bullshit. So the last time I was with, uh, we, I was talking with Javi. We were talking about kind of the, you know, the polarization and the fucking everybody going crazy on Instagram these days. With yeah, you can't just be a normal fucking functioning individual that doesn't, that's not a racist. And like, you know, like if, if you're not actively searching for racism in your everyday life, then you're just fucking labeled a racist. I saw like a Venn diagram, three different circles, right? Mm -hmm. One circle in the middle, like three different circles where they all meet and intertwine in the middle, and it was mm -hmm. like against racism support the police and it was like or against against looting and rioting mm -hmm. and it was like yeah. here i am right in the middle it's like it's okay to be in the middle yeah it's okay to be against rioting and looting it's okay to not be racist it's okay to, to uh, support the police just because you support the, the police doesn't mean you're a racist just because you don't support rioting and looting yeah. doesn't mean you're a racist right you can not be a racist and have your different opinions exactly it's so wild, so, but that that's not the way the fucking public sees it, dude. I know, man. And mm -hmm. it's, I posted it's a shame. I posted just a story post saying that I stand behind the police, the good police officers. Of course. You know? Yeah. And then I fucking dude, five hundred people stopped following me that day. <laughs> and one day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's ridiculous, dude. People yeah. are so easily offended. Dude, you know what the problem is? Is the world's being run by fucking snowflakes. <laughs> yep. Millennial yeah, ass snowflakes, dude. That's the thing, mm -hmm. man. When you have when you have comedians that they can't even make a 
joke now because everybody's gonna get offended or somebody seriously it's like come on man yeah man like i mean the whole thing's a fucking giant fiasco bro yeah it's out of control they took cops off the air fucking horrible like the show cops they took took it off the air yeah they took it it off can't have this shit anymore um legos or some shit uh they used to have like a a cop discount fucking took that shit away what legos removed their police discount yeah that's the shit that really fucking grinds my gears dude dude the fucking general public at large that supported first responders that unwaveringly fucking thanked police officers EMS, nurses, doctors for their quote-unquote sacrifices on the front line. And then now, literally fucking three weeks later, they're like, well, fuck all cops. Like, that's trash, dude. That's trash mentality. It's fucking, it's shameful. It really is shame. The way the police are being treated today, I watched this clip, the NYPD, like a couple of the like the chiefs coming on, on television talking about how they're being like uh, villainized by the media. They're being treated like animals. Um, this guy's surrounded by good men and women that, that sacrifice. People that have fought in the military, people that fucking fight in the streets today to keep their community safe. Yeah, there's like assholes out there. There's fucking douchebags. You're never gonna not have douchebags in your ranks, dude. They're fucking douchebag yeah. nurses. They're asshole nurses. I, yeah. I know how like everybody likes to fucking hold us to this godlike standard, like we're fucking all whatever. Oh, but, but the truth is there's fucking shitty nurses, bro. And, and you ask any nurse and they'll tell you that shit. And they're yeah, shitty sure. fucking doctors, bro. They're yeah. shitty everybody. That doesn't mean that you turn your back on the entire fucking industry because there's a few assholes in the ranks. And that's the thing, man. A lot of times, like those, the the good ones and the majority of them, they fucking hate the bad ones. They hate these people. Derek, yeah. whatever the fuck his name is, Derek Chauvin. Yeah. The fucking piece of shit yeah. who did that. Yeah. Nobody they fucking hate, likes that asshole, dude. They they hate people like that because it gives the good ones a bad name. Just like I'm sure if somebody has, like, the whole nursing thing with, with TikTok, how people were now saying that nurses don't do shit. Yeah. Uh, it went from, oh, nurses are healthcare heroes to, well, what the fuck are you doing on TikTok all day? Like, yeah, that, that coming from someone that's on their phone looking at fucking TikTok at their job. So, yeah. Talking about other people that are doing TikTok at their fucking job. You have to put, like, hashtag on my break. Yeah, it's, fucking, it's ridiculous. Or, like, hashtag, you're doing use your own fucking people... brain, bitch. Like, stop <laughs> judging me, break. dumbass. If people do their TikToks at home with their scrubs on, and you're like, oh, go back to work. I'm like, bitch, I'm off. I'm off, bitch. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the other thing, 13 hours. The other thing that I yeah, noticed, bro. man, that I, what I, I personally... Do my fucking off time. Yeah, for real, yeah. man. Like, another thing that I haven't personally noticed, my girlfriend has, has noticed is, like, if, for example, let's say she goes to the supermarket and she's in scrubs, like, people fucking look at her, like, with side-eye. Oh, look dude, at her, like, a long way. Here. Like That happens here hard, bro. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Dude, we get on our elevator. We get on our elevator to fucking go to work. We're on the seventh floor. So it stops. People fucking straight up look in the elevator, take like a step forward, and then take a fucking step back. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And that's the thing, man. Like, we do treat everybody the same. And I'm sure most of these officers treat everybody the same. Yeah, man. They swear an oath, dude. You know? Exactly. We swear an oath. They fucking swear an oath. That's meaningful, bro. You know? Like, you're always going to have a fucking douchebag, dude. We, we've all been pulled over by that cop that you just can't even fucking communicate with. You know what I mean? Yep. Like just yeah, exactly. so much douchebaggery that you just can't, that he, he's on his own dick so hard. You know, yep. we've all had that experience, but does that mean that every police officer is that way? No. And honestly, does that make you a dumbass for thinking that? Yeah, it kind of does. Like does, if you yeah. have all of this evidence in front of your face and you choose to ignore all of the evidence because it doesn't support the narrative that you agree with, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? All the evidence shows the NYPD, the guy that was talking, he said, we have 720 million interactions last year, 720 million interactions. And that 720 million, we had like a handful of negative ones. And he's like, no one cares about the good time, like the good shit. Yeah. No one cares, dude. All they want to do is they want to take this tiny little grip of info and and portray it like that's the overwhelming image of the New York Police Department, and it's not. Because Mm -hmm. you got to remember, man, people, when everything is all happy-go-lucky, people don't tune in. People don't give a shit. People don't... It's all about ratings. It's all about having the newest, latest, greatest story. Good things happening is not fun. It's not newsworthy. doesn't fucking sell newspapers, dude. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so... 
why am I going to do that when I can create all this uproar and all this craziness and all this all this attention? Drama. Because look at it, look at it, man. Look, I'm sure how many people are fucking tuning into these news stations every single day, twenty four seven, to see what's going on. Yep. And that's why they do it because that's how they make their money. And it's fucking good. Business is good right now for them, dude. Yeah. They're fucking dividing the country. They're polarizing people, making you feel like making people that have never in a million years thought themselves to be a racist, people that have never had a racist thought in their mind, and making them feel like they're somehow a racist, dude. Like I post that fucking black square on my Instagram. People are like, "Oh, what else are you doing?" What, what else are you doing? Why aren't you Why aren't you out there marching in the streets getting fucking pepper sprayed? And and, and, and when I wasn't posting it, people were messaging, well, why haven't you posted this? Like, why aren't you showing solidarity for the cause? What's insane is the fact that you have something that everybody unified behind. Mm-hmm. Everybody unified behind the fact that that guy was a dick, that this guy did not deserve to die. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. saying, arrest this guy. He's That's, that's not right justice needs yeah. to be served everybody was saying that right i have yet to see or hear one person that says that that guy doesn't deserve to be in, in behind bars for the rest of his life or get the fucking electric chair yeah everybody's saying that yeah. so you it you take an opportunity to unify the country to unify everybody and stand behind a cause and say this is wrong you don't do this and you fucking polarize it and you divide yeah. everybody you just divide and that's, and that's and that's not that's not right that's not cool that's a great fucking point, dude. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah, it's exactly what's going on. Everybody's being divided. And then those people that are not even talking, they're just, you. They're, oh, you stay silent? Oh, it's because you're a fucking racist. That's how people are fucking seeing that. That's, yeah. That's and, and that's the thing. People stay silent because they don't want to be said that they're a racist because they say that they're against rooting and uh, rioting and looting or because they have a certain opinion on something. Yeah. And then all of yeah. a sudden now you're a racist. No. Okay, um, you know, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm going to shut my mouth and have my opinion because at the end of the day my opinion facts at the end of the day you're going to have your opinion and if facts can't change that nothing i say is going to change that so why am Mm -hmm. i going to create that rift create that issue when there doesn't need to be one it's true man that's a that's that's a solid point that i haven't heard yet is that the country had an opportunity to unify behind a cause that everyone agreed with, you know, like everyone agreed that this fucking Derek Chauvin douchebag or whatever the fuck his name is deserves the fucking electric chair. We really could have unified behind that. And instead they turned this issue into a, a, a racial issue. When, when the people, the officers, the fucking four officers that were, that are now all indicted on charges. That's the most multicultural group of motherfuckers that I've ever seen. dude. <laughs> it's a fucking Asian guy. A black guy, a Spanish guy, and a white guy, dude. You couldn't have been more diverse. It's crazy, man. But anyways, I don't want to get too far off the topic at hand. I want to kind of try to stay focused on the CRNA thing. So basically, like, if I could just, like, encompass your, like, pretty much your whole message throughout this whole thing. It's just been, like, just fucking go for it. Go for it. At the just end of go the day, for it. Just shoot for the fucking stars, dude. Because even exactly. if you miss... No, wait. It's shoot for the moon. Because even if you miss... You land amongst the stars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best thing I ever heard you That was on my that. middle school guidance counselor's fucking uh, wall. When, Dude, when I, I actually, my guidance counselor actually gave me that as a gift when I graduated eighth grade. Oh, that's badass. See, that's why we're, that's why we're so similar, Javi. There you go, man. It all comes down to eighth Dude, grade, baby. That's exactly what I had for the outro, bro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, like I said, just go for it, man. If, if you apply and you don't get in, don't let that like get you down and did like scare you away. Find out what it was that find out what could make you a better candidate for that school, whatever it is, and then go from there, man. Don't don't give up on it just because you you missed your shot the first try. Fucking thanks for coming and talking with us, dude. I know you got like limited time these days. We really appreciate you taking your time out to have a conversation with us and answer some questions from people on Instagram. Of course, really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, man, we got to have a nice little um, called a reunion episode with all the people from our original place. Hell yeah, dude. Great. Yeah, we should like let them know about how good fucking Dr. Squash Soaps is too. <laughs> we should. I use it all the time. Get them in on that action. Dr. Squash Soaps. Smell like a man. Even think like a man when you start <laughs> washing your hands. <laughs> think like a man. Fucking scrub into fucking surgery like a man. I don't know if that's yeah. approved by the fucking hospitals and shit. But it's probably it not approved by the FDA, but you know what? I don't technically have to scrub in, so I can use whatever fucking stuff I want. <laughs> use whatever fuck. I bring my bar of Dr. Squatch in my back pocket, and I fucking use that shit right before I go in a patient's room. What's up? 
There you go. What would you rather have? The hand sanitizer out of that fucking little machine that goes... Or would you rather have fucking good smelling ass fucking Dr. Squatch hand sanitizer? I choose that one every time. Every, oh, yeah. every time. Every goddamn time. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Avi, for being on the show, man. Um, that's a CRNA student and getting our questions from our IG. Guys, stay in school. Go to CRNA school. Don't be a pussy. Just get it done. Yeah. Get it According done. to Javi, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, <laughs> you <laughs> land among the stars. Right, Javi? Words to live by. That's right. No matter how hard you think it is, you will land on the moon <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Check us out on iTunes, Spotify now. We're on Spotify. Ooh. And uh, Google Play. 